So tell me what we gonna make That magic Tell me what we trying to take That cabbage What we trying to calculate That average If it ain't to innovate We might as well scrap it So tell me what we gonna make Hello everyone, welcome back tell to Poets Return This is episode 9, part 1 The proof is in the process Daniel Botello, I have known this gentleman for almost a decade I realized And we've been good friends for a good chunk of that time We've gotten to work together in plays, scenes, we both went through the acting BFA together, and he's just another person that was really there during a very formative creative time in my the beginnings of my professional career, during my collegiate career and, and onward from that. And as I'll kind of introduce today, he's a published playwright, he's an amazing musician, and his poetry is some of my favorite poetry, honestly, not just from people that I know, but across the board. I've always loved Daniel's poetry, and he talks today about, we we really, the reason we split this episode into two parts is because he and I are such good friends. We talk about a lot of our processes, processes, I never know the right way to say that, but yeah. His process versus my process, not in an adversarial way, just kind of how we're very different. And we have similar philosophies, but our disciplines tend to be a little different in terms of how we write. And I respect Daniel a lot because he does finish his projects and something that obviously Connor and I have spoken about with At the Edge of the Wilderness. Yeah, it's a huge project to embark upon. It's very ambitious, but there's something I really admire about people that can just finish something. They can say, I've got this idea, and six weeks later, they're sending you a script. So Daniel is a huge inspiration to me, and I think we learn a lot from each other. It's just nice to have someone that you can share words with at any point in your personal journey, you know, professional journey. So yeah, we get a little silly. There are multiple accents in this episode. I don't know. And they're all, they're all pretty much me and they're all awful. Um, so I apologize ahead of time, but I, I think it just kind of comes out of us when we're hanging out. So here's the proof is in the process part one with Daniel. And um, yeah, I'm excited to share this with everyone. Here it is. <laughs> I was like, when do I talk? <laughs> do I, I was like, do I need to be quiet right now? We've got Daniel Botello on here. He's a poet, playwright, musician. Um, He's written plays that have actually been published and put up. Holla. (laughs) He's also toured the country by himself as a musician, which I think is huge. And continues to be an active artist and worker of words. I like that. <laughs> it's like just non-specific enough to be like, yeah, that's, I do that. Cue music. I don't know what I do, but yeah, I work with some words for sure. I'll take it. So. So. You get to share whatever you want. Whatever I want. You want me to, are we just jumping in? It's whatever you want. You can Ooh. give explanation before. Um, or you can give explanation after. It's whatever you Ooh, prefer. that's hard. And some pieces are different. Yeah. Um, sometimes you want to explain it before, and sometimes you would rather just say afterwards. I feel like the general rule of thumb might be, it's more. I feel like it's more fun to do it afterwards. Yeah. To hear the piece and then go back. Why don't you read it, and why don't we do a little back and forth? Yeah. And then you get to the old ones it. and twos. <laughs> 
You know those twos to ones, ones yes. and twos? Um, okay. How many? Uh, let's not even worry about that right now. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. I'll just start with one. Uh, so this is a poem that I wrote. Oh, gosh. Um, man, when did I write this? <laughs> I don't have dates next to this. Um, I did, I'd say probably about five, let's say five years ago. Somewhere in the realm of four to six years. Let's call it five. Um, yeah, I'll read it and then we'll, then we'll chat. Uh, so this poem is called The Water's Too High, She Says. The water's too high, she says. It clings to the chest, unforgiving. This will be the death of us. She wonders where all the time went. Hung like a daydream out to dry, we forgot about it. It was stolen by the neighborhood rascals. She pulls the wet blouse on elastic, a straight jacket of regret and of a simpler time. When we tied knots with limbs, whispered Shakespeare, drank way too much and were patient. If only we had just been patient. She wants to dip under, just for a second, just to see how it feels. To know if it stings as bad as they all say, she closes her eyes, takes a deep breath, and plunges into the mystery of what it's like to be without. It is quieter there. Lonely. She remembers the candles, the spark. What else is there to do now but sink? She blames herself. The future only exists in the present. But the past is a broken finger that never quite healed right. The scab you picked too many times, a subtle reminder that this life is permanent. There is no going back. I pull her up from under. She was down for far too long. The wet shirts reach madly for each other, their bond only as strong as ours. Her tears could fill the ocean. She cries a flood over Ohio. I look into her eyes and all I see is moonlight. From the night we first kissed, on the rooftop at the old house, over beers neither of us liked the taste of. We preferred lips. I wonder where all the time went. Buried in the backyard like a long-lost pet, we left it there. It was dug up by the family dog, brought in the house, and dropped in front of the fireplace. We were made to look at it. After all those years. I wring out the water from my shirt. It doesn't get any drier. I want to step out of the storm, just for a second, just to see how it feels. To see if it's really as warm as we said it would be. I take her hand, clench it tight, and step out to the sand where we should have been this whole time. It is nice here. Familiar. I tell her about the candles, the spark. We don't have to sink anymore. She blames herself, I blame myself, and we stand there, like two lost ships. Not a lighthouse in sight. The water's too high, she says. I take the bottom of her shirt in both hands, lift it over her head. It clings in a final attempt to hold her. She takes my shirt with tender palms, raises it off my shoulders. One arm gets stuck for a moment. The water's too high, she says. I whisper, darling, dearest, don't you know how to swim? Yeah, it's a comedy. Um, <laughs> Filled with mirth. Filled with mirth. Uh, yeah, I really like that poem. I like that poem I forget about too. that poem sometimes. There's a lot of beautiful images in that poem. Thanks. Um, and I also feel like that's very telling of the struggle and the story of you as a writer and as a person. Elaborate on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I feel like there's, I love the way you have those moments of awkwardness, mm -hmm. but that those genuine moments are, I think what a lot of like people 
relate to and fall into, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I definitely, like, I think I would say this. Like, my favorite moments or lines in things that I write are often because it reminds me in some way of something of someone, like another artist that I love, and they had something similar. Not that necessarily, like, I, you know, they wrote a poem about ships, and so I wrote a poem about, you know what I mean? Um, But it's more of just, like, maybe, like, a feeling or an image or something, and I... I'll, I'll read my own stuff and go, oh, I actually, I like that. And right. I kind of be like, oh, I think I kind of like that because it reminds me of this, this other thing from this, this, you know, poet or artist or musician that I love. Um, so yeah, I think that that's sort of the relatability in it, even for me. Uh, one thing that crossed my mind though, as I was reading that, do you ever have like weird, creepy moments where you look back at stuff that you wrote a long time ago and I wouldn't even say that it's like even more relevant now, but like. I don't, I, I kind of told the future in a way. This is going to sound really weird, but I have a line. There's a line in there where I talk about um, a broken finger that never quite healed right. I broke my finger a year and a half ago and it never healed right. <laughs> and I wrote this poem like five years ago. Isn't that kind of creepy? <laughs> I like read that line and I was like, when did I write this? Oh yeah, I definitely broke my finger after I wrote this poem. Years after. Which is crazy because I also feel like it's very difficult to be so self-aware that you can be like, hey. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Like you, you know yourself so well that you can almost sort of guess how you'll react or, or how you'll feel about things that happen later. And that you know that you're not going to go down the same path of self-destruction, but that things are still going to happen that are like causes of happenstance. And I think that, like, that makes me think of like what we were just talking about, like the idea of relatability. Like I wrote this poem after um, a relationship that I had had in college and then after my most recent relationship, which was like really serious and the breakup sucked and was really tough, I can look back at this poem and go, I understand it all over again in different ways and deeper ways. And, you know, I can look at I can look at this poem and think about both both of those relationships and see how it like different parts make me think of the college one, different parts making me think of the recent one. And I think that. I think the I think the reason for that is to me the poem is just about um that's sort of like w- when you love someone and there's miscommunication and there's doubt and you're both you're both kind of trying to save it but neither one is really recognizing that the other's trying to save it and so it's just kind of this I feel like that's where I kind of got the idea of um the shirts and like taking the shirts off like uh uh I mean let's take it back to the BFA real fast we did that little project when we first got in the program where we had to do like uh we had to do an activity right and learn it so well that then we could do it without the props or without the tools or whatever right um like i know uh, i think greg had to like hang a he had to like hang a painting on a wall so we went home and was like actually hammering a nail and like hanging a painting so that he could get used to what it felt like so that in class he could do it just with nothing in his hands and still make it look believable uh and so the thing that i got was our teacher made me um take a shower and then without drying off, put on a t-shirt and jeans, still wet, and then take them off again. So it's just like dealing with like wet clothes clinging to you. Um, and so I think that's that's sort of where I got the idea of that. And then it's like that, it's very awkward and it's very clumsy and it's, you know, but then the metaphor kind of stuck with me of like, that's sort of when you're when you're in that sort of messy place in love and you're you're not quite on the same page, but you're both kind of working towards the same goal of, you know, making it work. But it's this weird, clumsy, grabbing at wet shirts with each other of like, you know, that's I, one, I think 
to you know to talk about how much I like my own writing. Um, <laughs> I don't for anyone listening, <laughs> um, but I do. I do actually like the line um, when I say she takes my shirt with tender palms, raises it off my shoulders, one arm gets stuck for a moment. I that that stuck out to me. <laughs> it's just like that idea of like that wet wet clothes and like they cling to you, um, you know and. Yeah, so I don't. I th- I think that that's. I think going back to the the bigger idea is um, the relatability of it, and that's what I love about poetry, man. Is you can write something and go back in ten years, and yeah, you can like I can still look at this poem and now five years, six years later, go like there are things I could fix about it just from a writing standpoint, but right. the overall like kind of I don't want to say message because I'm not necessarily trying to like tell a message with it, but like but there is. I think there is inherently, yeah, just through it being art. Um, but I think like I can just go back and the experience of, of reading the poem is different and ver- ver- you know, has variety and Which is the message fun. in and of itself. Yeah, the, the relatability changes, but it's still there. I think, that's, I think that's fun. It's fun to go back and read your stuff. And sometimes you go back and read your stuff and you're like, this sucks. But there's probably still something to sort of glean from it. Well, and you have had a lot of, you know, because you've had different artistic mediums that you've been able to write within, playwriting, musicianship, poetry. Um, I think sometimes we get, we get a little lost in when people are like, well, what are you trying to say? Yeah. What were you going through when you wrote this? And of course, there are moments of very palpable, potent, like, yes, I remember exactly what was happening. But sometimes it's also like, this is a message that I've been trying to tell for a long time. Yeah. And I, I but see, that's the kind of catch 22 is I feel like, and, and you know, obviously I can only speak for me. I think um, if I get too locked on to trying to tell a message, especially like a specific, like if I get locked on to the idea of telling a message, period, but then if even that message is very, very specific, then I feel like it just gets all too heady, you know? And then I, then I'm like staring at a blank page and I'm like, how do I even, I I find myself not being able to write because now I've taken like any sort of heart out of it, you know? And I'm just like, I can get too philosophical with it and then I can't, you know, like I think even that's something that helps me is then I feel like if I get in that spot, I'll go, okay, well, how, what's a, what's an idea or what's a very, very simple line that will still be almost like cute to me in a way that'll kind of bring back sort of like the, the soul of it. It's like your hook. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. in a song, it's like, well, if I'm trying to write this verse and I'm like, man, I want this, I want to say so much, but I really only have like four lines to do it. What do I do? It's like, all right, well, let's, let's find a hook first. And then we'll kind of get the vibe of the song and feel what it really is. And then I have somewhere to work towards or work around. I mean, I, I feel like for a writer, there's nothing more daunting than your Microsoft Word blank white page with the blinking black cursor. And there's nothing there. Well, and I love <laughs> like, it. Exactly. Because like, I feel like it's just kind of half taunting you and half being like, hello, what are you waiting for? Come on, let's go. Let's do this. And you're like, I, my brain, there's nothing in there now. Well, I like <laughs> the idea of like you were saying something to work towards or to work around. Yeah, yeah. You need some sort of nugget to mine, you know. Um, and I feel like once you, if you start convoluting it too much before you've even started, then you're kind of, you're kind of putting yourself at a disadvantage from the beginning. You're trying to do too much from the beginning. Which a lot of people do, and then they yeah. never get started or finished. I, yeah, and I, yeah. but that, and that's just what's always crazy to me. Um, I've never ever been somebody who has like, uh, oh yeah, like I've, I've, I've 
like written a couple lines of this poem and I'm also working on this poem and I've got a couple scenes of this play I'm working on and then I'm like halfway through my screenplay and I'm like what the fuck like I if I'm working on something for better or worse sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not good I cannot work on multiple things writing wise at the same time I just which you and I are different yeah, about but can't. you finish it and I don't so I I, mean, I, I give to your philosophy I guess I'm. I, it's just my brain is just so scattered already that I need some I need to focus I need to find ways to streamline and focus as much as I can which is yeah. like okay all we have to do like today I'm writing this scene in this play or today I'm, I'm editing this poem but that know? form of discipline is what a lot of people lack quote unquote writers actors have bad habits in terms of well when I'm inspired like you know whatever and there's something about that that I think really appeals to someone who's actually trying to write functionally and have a career. Yeah, I mean, I think I got lucky with because I don't even I don't necessarily think of it as me being disciplined. I think of it now as just like my my process of like how I need to do things to get it done. Because you're disciplined. I guess, but I think I got I think I got lucky in the sense that when I started, it was because I couldn't not finish it. Because when I first started writing poetry, I, I, I mean, um, I, 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 I consider myself lucky that I can literally pinpoint the exact moment that, like, poetry really came into my life. I read poetry, you know, for assignments and stuff in high school, and I liked it and kind of understood it. You know, a lot more classical stuff and Shakespeare and whatever. Um, but it was my sophomore year of college, winter break, Christmas Eve. Yeah, I I was in my room at my parents' house in Santa Clarita on my laptop watching like random YouTube videos and a compilation video of Anis Mojgani at a poetry slam, um, like came or maybe I was on Tumblr. I was probably on Tumblr. I was big into Tumblr then, um, and uh, and I watched it and I watched him do three poems and it changed. It kind of changed my life. He's still my favorite poet to this day, um, and I wrote my first spoken word poem that night. And so I think I just got lucky that when it when it came to me, I was like, whoa, this is a thing. Um, I just never seen poetry used in like that sort of vehicle that way and done that way. And it was it was modern. You know, it was it wasn't someone reading from a book and it wasn't an audio recording. I was like watching a dude perform it, which as an actor obviously resonated with me. Um, and so I think then starting off, like I wrote my I wrote wrote my first poem that night because I was like, I have to get this out. And so I think maybe that's I got lucky that that's where my discipline came from was because when I first started writing out or first started out writing, flip that, um, I had so many things I immediately wanted to write about and needed to write about. There's no way that I could have started a poem about something and not finished it. So I just got used to finishing things. You know what I mean? Um, and I think like a, a, another good example of that is even like my f the first full length play I ever tried to write. I had no, I did not know what the fuck I was doing. I had no business trying to write. I had just written a 10 minute and I was like, Psh, now I'm ready to write a full length. How hard can it be? Um, and it was so like the most convoluted storyline. I was talking about messing with like time and like all these crazy shit. Um, and I never finished it. And then I guess six, seven years later, I came back to it and I just finished it. So that was, that's my po my play wreckage. It's the first thing I ever tried to write. So the one thing even that I never finished, I eventually finished. <laughs> But it's just because I knew I, I had that idea and I just needed to, I had to explore that idea. I had to like get it out of my brain and onto paper. And onto know? paper. Yeah. Because it was even, um, this is like not so much poetry necessarily, but like um, I know I've talked to you a lot about that play and I was, I wanted it to be good so bad that I was like terrified to write. 
uh, and so I would like then I'd like work it up and muster up the courage and I'd write a scene and then I wouldn't touch it for two weeks and I'd do the same thing over and over and I finally finished it and the weight really came off and I realized it was because it was out of my head now it was on my computer so if I, I was still kind of scared of it but I could now put my computer on the other side of the room and put a shirt over it and pretend like it wasn't there and it wasn't in my head anymore. You know what I mean? I could distance it from myself, like literally yeah. tangibly distance it from myself and it, I got it kind of out of me. Um, and I think that's just sort of like a, something good to think about too for a struggling writer of like, just get it out, just get it on paper. And if it sucks, go back and fix it later, but get it out first because yeah. then it, it becomes a little, a little bit less scary. You know, or a little bit less stressful or a little easier to, to make sense of. You know what I mean? It doesn't Just, overwhelm you completely. Yeah. And I mean that, it's similar to poetry of just like, even if you, it's, there are a thousand ways to do it. You know, you can sort of make an outline of like, okay, well, these are the three ideas that I kind of want the poem to address or I want right. to explore. Or you can just go blah and just blurb it out and just stream of consciousness right, you know, and then edit that. Or you can, you know, the there's a thousand ways to write a poem, but what's most important and i think what hung, hangs up a lot of writers especially young writers is you you are trying to write the poem in your head the whole time you're trying to write it and edit it in your head all at the same time and it's like just put it on paper first put a pen in your hand start scribbling words yeah. and if you fucking hate it then fucking you know don't ever show anybody but that's very difficult it yeah. is very difficult and yeah. i think for writers especially people that don't necessarily have the confidence to know that like all right, whatever I put out, I'm going to either edit or not edit, or it's going to be what it's going to be. A lot of people are just like, I feel stupid. Yeah, I think that's kind of the disadvantage of poetry um, nowadays, which is like a broad <laughs> term. But like, I, you know, just the, the role that poetry plays in our society is not super prominent. So I think right. it's, you know, there's still the stigma of like, it's lame or it's, you know, dramatic, hipster, whatever it is, you know. Even though you see all these posts on Instagram that get thousands and thousands of reposts and yeah. they're all poetry. That's that relatability, man. Yeah. I think, yeah, you know, there's a, I'm sure there's a thousand reasons for that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think, I think it's still something that's really prevalent and should be. Like, I think this yeah. is a sort of random side tangent, but... There's this another spoken word poet that I really like. His name's Rudy Francisco. He's pretty popular. He's been on The Tonight Show a bunch yep. of times. Pretty I know cool. Rudy Francisco. Yeah. Um, he's a great poet. And they started doing this thing. I'm a, I'm a Charger fan. What's up? Go Chargers. Uh, season ticket holder here. <laughs> and at, at the football games, they'll do like a hype video before like the kickoff. And it's Rudy Francisco. They have him. He writes like a new slam poem to pump up for the game and it's different every week depending on the opponent or depending on where they're at in the season or what they did last week and it's always about like LA the city um, and it's always different like I just went and saw they just played the Minnesota Vikings and he threw in like a line about Minnesota or like a line about the Vikings and so I know it's like not the same poem every time but the, Rudy Francisco is like the the poet of the Chargers now and I just think that's so cool that like this guy started out I started out watching him on just like YouTube videos of him doing like open mics and then he was on the Tonight Show and like did an amazing poem on the tonight show and he's just a great poet and i was like awesome he's getting the recognition he deserves and now he's like looking all cool and shit like with the chargers like for an nfl team it's it's kind of cool even though i'm sure people aren't going like whoa that was an amazing poem i moved i just think it's cool that they took a risk and gave somebody like him that platform poetry is in everything you know but that's 
That's it's, cool. That was pretty cool, right? I didn't know Rudy got a freaking shout out. On yeah, that. dude. That's pretty cool. And I, I, I hope, yes! the thing too is like, I hope he's actually a Charger fan and he's not just like repping the Charger because they paid him. I was like, I hope you're actually a Charger fan, man. I feel like we've made our way around to me reading another poem. Um, I'm like on my Gmail. Now Daniel's got to share something else. Got to share something else. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, I think this is another one that's fun to talk about, chat about after. Um, so if I ever were to publish a book of poetry uh, or multiple, whatever, my first one, I have like a chap book of like, it's it's ready. Anybody want to publish my shit? Um, it's called Jellybean. The book is called Jellybean. Which, um, yeah. <laughs> which is the name of this poem. Uh, so this poem is called Jelly Bean or Languages Before You. Let us finally speak plain. I have learned to spill ink and ramble to myself in languages I thought I used to understand. In my head, the meanings were crystal clear. I told myself this is the work. My teeth biting down on pen caps and fingers sore from the hammering into being the swirling soup of my thoughts. I have felt things. I have done all this before. I understand my language. But then there's you. You speak in tongues I am only beginning to understand, but I am beginning to understand. You cascade honey and hot sauce. My lips are burning for your sweet. You dance around me in a whirlpool. I am sinking into your good waters, and I will not hold my breath. I float down like waves upon your shoulders. You let me rest. Sometimes... I just need a little rest. When I think of you, I see yellows. Fields of straw gold as far as I can see. I see sunflowers. I see lemonade. I see jelly beans. You are everything good. It is a language I could get used to. I want to be fluent in you. Every now and then, I come across words I do not know. There are so many languages between you and I. But I don't want to be afraid anymore. Let us learn to speak together, a language no one else can understand. We will whisper in quiet corners and our friends will wonder what we're up to. No one else will need to know. Just us. Just this. Kiss me like you did the night of that concert. The one that made you cry. With the rain, remember? Tell me the secret we told each other on that summer night in my bedroom after we watched baseball. Our second date. I want to hear it again. Press it onto vinyl. Let it loop. That is the language of us. Everything from before was practice. Languages I later found a dictionary for. It's just you on every page. Every definition a memory of when you make me happy, and good God, you make me happy. I am speaking the only way I know how to now. No more words. Too much gets caught in the crossfire. I am opening the doors of this heavy heart, inviting you into the library. All you will find inside is me, looking at you in all your light, I'm cutting out a piece of myself for you. Just you. My hands cupped like they love to cup your cheeks. I hold my heart on fire. I offer it to you. It is yours for the taking. The only language I have left to speak. Every word before you is what I hope to give. Read until your heart is content, then come home to me. I will be waiting for you with a glass of your favorite wine. Let's get drunk and speak the language of us. It's a powerful poem. Thanks. I named my book after it, so I kind of like it. <laughs> I think it's about that sort of idea of realizing realizing in the moment that there are still things you don't know about the person that you love, 
but wanting to try and learn them, but not knowing how. Um, and then ultimately, I mean, I think the poem ultimately devolves into just being like, I don't know shit about shit, but I know that I care this way about you. I know how I feel about you. Let's start there. Um, I think for me as the writer, I, I uh, you know, it's always weird to, and fun to like try and analyze your own writing and try and be like, what was I trying to do with here? Um, I think the first line is, is sort of it. It's let us finally speak plain. I think I, I know writing it where I was at that time, it was definitely a place of like feeling really lost and feeling very confused. And just again, like it's also the poem is jelly bean languages before you. And so I think it's like, the, I, I, I tend to have poems kind of about language and about, words and miscommunication of words or, or not being on the same page um, language wise and it's just sort of like that's the tricky thing about love is is a, there's there's so many things that play a part in it you know right. and communication is key and I think how you understand the people that you care about is is interesting and hard and thrilling and all these things but um you know, it's sort of like, I think, I think the poem is sort of like this person, the speaker, whatever, kind of being like, I don't really know a lot. I don't really know how best to communicate with you, but I'm going to start by telling you things I know to be true, which are things that I love about you. Things that I love about you. Yeah. And I know that these yeah. things are true. I know I can trust these things. Which is such an amazing and beautiful dichotomy as that journey continues on, because it's like, that's so much of what love is also, is like we know what we love. Yeah. We don't, we don't remember a lot of the times when we look back and we mourn, it's not about the bad times. It's about, it's about the missing the times. good times. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And I think it's, uh, I think it's, I think it's really interesting. Um, this is a poem I feel like I'm, I'm proud of because I'm just proud that I, I put, I, I put the thing that was in my head. I put it down on paper in a way that I feel like I explained myself well. And sort of ex explain the idea, well, the way no matter, I was kind of thinking about it. And whatever point people are in, in any relationship, people can relate to this. Yeah. And they will understand the bittersweetness that happens. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's that's part of it, man. You know. That's just that's just the 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 life that we lead, choosing to be in any sort of relationship. You're going to get that um, sweet sour. Yeah. I mean that's the that's the gamble that's the that's the whole trick that there's the rub and therein lies the rub um but yeah I mean I I think it's uh again you go back to like relatability you know I think I I don't necessarily try and write poems to be relatable you know I think I definitely try to just do the old cliche like write what you know um but I I think there's a reason that love poems are kind of a you know i think that's what a lot of people think of when they think of poetry that's because it's such a universal and relatable feeling that everybody wants to write about it and then everybody reads about it and they understand it and they like it so they want more of it and so there's just more and more and more and more and more um but so i don't know i think another side to poetry is just the openness to processing on paper what is happening when it's happening yeah and that can be very scary and like people will go oh you write 
And my mom will go, why don't you write more when you're happy? And Alicia actually said it very well. One of our Alicia who was on is, is on the podcast. She said, when I'm elated, I'm full. Yes. I kind of feel the same way. And I was going to put it in a different way of like, when I'm happy, I want to spend my time enjoying the happy moment. I'm, if I'm feeling happy, it's pretty hard to write something and not feel like it's just super corny and not, I was like, who the fuck would want to read this? Like, this is boring, you know, Dude. but same. then at the same time, then it just turns into, you know, I, but I, I, and I will say like, I think there's something to that in the sense of like, I think more people, including me should write more when they're happy. Um, you need variety and you need, you need, I think it's good for an artist just just even in, in that sort of simple sense of like expose yourself to different things and explore different things. You know, I can explore the idea of being heartbroken in a thousand poems and that's all well and good. There's nothing wrong with that. And I'm, I'm sure I'll learn from it and it'll be a part of my journey as a person, but also like, it's probably, it would probably be good for me as an artist to also explore the idea of being happy. You know what I mean? Like allow myself to do that. Even if it's shit, even if the poems are corny as fuck, hopefully two things will happen either a it'll just be good for me as a human and b they'll stop being so corny eventually the more and more i do it you know and maybe there's some really cool poems that could come out of that i mean i I definitely don't think that all good poetry has to be sad you know i think there's some great great uh poetry about happy things i mean um to take it back to sort of my like uh catalyst or whatever into poetry that video that i watched of nisa moshgani the first video or the first poem that he performed at this thing was a poem called Direct Orders. And the whole poem is just him saying, like, rock out like this, rock out. And my, one of my favorite lines in the poem, he says, like, rock out like the mangoes are in season. He's like, rock out like uh, you got a full tank of gas and an empty appointment book. Like, it's the, the entire poem is just rock out like this, rock out like that. And it's a super, like, it gets me pumped up. And I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. Like, like, the whole kind of message of the poem is, like, live your life. Do it like this. Do it like all these things aren't happening, but do it like it, like live your life like they are, you know? Um, uh, this is something like rock out like it's raining outside and you got a girl to run through it with. Like, you know, it's just the, the whole message of the poem is to live fully, you know? And that's a, to me, that's a super happy poem. I think it's beautiful. Um, so yeah, so I don't know, maybe, maybe this is a wake up call for me and you to try and write more happy stuff. Who knows? Maybe we need to. Yeah. Definitely an interesting thing to think about is like, the idea of happy poetry. Cause I, I definitely think looking at my writing, I don't know. Yeah. That's just an interesting, <laughs> now I'm like on this kick. It's just an interesting, interesting idea that like when I'm feeling unhappy and whether it's angry or sad, whatever, like my instinct is to express that and like get it. How do I, how do I work through that? How do I understand that? But I think for, I don't know if this is how you feel, but like, I always feel that when I'm feeling happy, I want to be present and right. I want to be with people. Yeah. Whereas when I'm sad, I want to keep that to myself. Yeah, you want to be alone and, and write it. Yeah. So I think there's it's all about balance, man. Maybe basically we're philosophers. So, I was thinking like basically maybe that means that when you're sad, you should allow yourself to be around people more, and when you're happy, you should allow yourself to be by yourself and write more and do both. Do both. Do all of it. Because I, well, I will say this. You, I actually really like that. You mentioned um, like my my tour when I went on tour by myself. Uh, highly recommend traveling by yourself just in general, anybody out there. But um, uh, that's actually kind of an, an, an interesting because I was journaling the whole way. And so I was totally alone. And I wouldn't say that I was like 
super, super happy having the time of my life. I mean, a big catalyst for the tour was because my relationship ended. Um, but I definitely like had really, really beautiful moments where it was just me for myself and then writing about it. And even though I was just journaling, I was really just recounting the events that happened. Um, I think there's something, definitely something to be gained of like just taking time to be by yourself, reflect on something really, really positive happening to you and put it, put pen to paper about it and just kind of share that with yourself. Because I will say this, I never went back and read my journal until like, oh, two weeks ago. Um, I just like went and reread all my journal entries and it was just really, really nice, you know? And like, I still have all the memories. It was only, it was less than a year ago, you know? So I still have like all the pictures in my head and I can still remember all the sunsets and all the rainy days and everything. It was beautiful. I mean, I saw really, really beautiful parts of our country. Um, but at the same time, then going back and, you know, say, I say those, you know, the pictures in my head kind of start to get a little fuzzy after a few years because that's the way life works. You replace them with new memories. I can go back now and read them and they'll come back to life. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and I'm, I'm so glad that I wrote all that stuff down. That I have that for me. Well, it's like you built it. You, you weren't just getting over a relationship. You were, you know, building this amazing relationship with yourself. When yeah. You got to go, you know, and be like, oh shit, this is hard, but I can do this. Yeah. I was just talking to a friend the other night and just, you know, just swapping stories and shooting the shit. And we were, I, we were talking about my trip and I was like, I really felt like, um, it was the, it was like, I, I kind of picture it in my head of like me shaking hands with myself for the first time. Like I got to, I felt like I kind of met myself for the first time really. Well. Which is really cool. I also think that you being able to perform your own words and music, I mean, there has to be something very liberating about the fact that you go into a room where nobody knows who you are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're like, there's "Ah!" there's sort of like two ways. And I feel like this is definitely relevant for, um, you know, poets who do like open mics or do whatever. It's, there's kind of two ways you can handle it. I feel like the one way is sort of the obvious way of like, being really nervous and being like, what if I fuck up? Okay, I'm just going to try and do my best, which is yeah. definitely, definitely right. do that. Right, right, right. <laughs> the other part of it is there were some nights where, like, if I could just tell I wasn't really feeling it or whatever, I would go in there and I'm like, yo, I'm in fucking Lake Charles, Louisiana. If I fuck this up, <laughs> chances are I never Thank see you for joining us today. You know I, mean? I know like, things are crazy right yeah, now, yeah, which we're worry. glad that we could bring you a little bit of laughter with great some great poems. You're going to hear more. There's going to be a part two because we did have such a good time talking and catching up that uh, I decided to split this episode up into two parts. So Monday, we will be releasing another episode uh, for Poets Return with Daniel, part two. And thank you for joining us. Again, I know things are crazy out there, but this is a better time than ever to kind of reconnect with people that you not only personally like to to be close to, but the people that creatively inspire you and that you want to continue to collaborate with. So DM us at Poets Return on Instagram or at Facebook. If you have any comments, questions, please go to Apple Podcasts if you can and give us a review. Let us know what you think and subscribe. And again, message us if you have any poetry you want to be featured. If you want us to contact you, we can do phone interviews. Right now, obviously not in person so much, but please let us know. Uh, We're here for you. And again, friends, use your words well. Thank you. Poets Return, a poetry podcast where artists share their work and discuss their process and let you see the story behind the words. This audio production is copyright 2019 by the Poets Return podcast, All Rights Reserved. 
The copyrights for each story are held by the respective authors. No duplication or reproduction of this auto program is permitted without the written consent of Melissa Bowie. So tell me what we gonna make.